the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stop the insanity. And no, I'm not talking about the vacancy on the Supreme Court, at least not yet. We'll get into that in a few minutes. I'm talking about COVID insanity. I went for a walk in Mount Lebanon today with my dogs and my wife. We walked along Washington Road, known in Mount Lebanon as Uptown, along the business district there. Beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky, 50-something. And I can't tell you how many people I saw walking along the sidewalk wearing masks. Now, I'm talking about people by themselves walking down the sidewalk with nobody within 100 yards of them outside in the fresh air. Now, where do they think a virus is going to come from to get them? That's what I don't understand. Or if we are to believe what the experts are telling us, you know, that the, uh, that the mask is meant to protect others from ourselves, who are they protecting by wearing a mask when there's nobody within 100 yards of them? Do they think that if they didn't have the mask on, that they'd be spewing out droplets that would hang in the air long enough so that someone else coming up the street behind them a few minutes later might, I don't know, breathe them in and get the COVID and then, of course, die. Here's the other thing. Yard signs are very popular in Mount Lebanon. And I'm not talking about political signs, although there are plenty of those, and most of them, by the way, for Biden and Connor Lamb. But lots of people have signs in their yard to say things like, everyone is welcome here, love is love. And one of the more popular slogans is, science is real. Some signs have all three of those things on them. They're full of little uh, bumper sticker-like slogans. Anyway, I'm just wondering if any of the people who, you know, have that uh, science is real sign in their yard, are they also out walking around in public with no one near them wearing a mask? And if so, is there any science anywhere that says that that's a good idea or whether it's necessary? Meanwhile, speaking of insanity, up in Harrisburg, His Excellency Tom Wolf did what he promised to do. He vetoed the law that would allow individual school districts to uh, decide how many spectators they can have for their football games. The Republicans say that they have enough votes to override the veto, but this is just another delay. So that insanity continues. But the most insane thing I saw today came from north of the border. As I've mentioned here before, our family has had a place up in Ontario for a long time. We haven't been able to go there this summer because we're not allowed to cross the border because we're Americans. But I saw a story on the St. Catharines, uh, Ontario newspaper website today. They said that the government up there is concerned because the COVID cases are going in the wrong direction. Now, keep in mind that this is in an area with a population of 447,000. includes Niagara Falls, Ontario, St. Catharines, and some smaller towns. They found two new cases over the weekend. Two. T-W-O, two. And they were disappointed that they hadn't had a day with no cases since September 3rd. Their concern was that they had gone from an average of about one and a half new cases per day to over two cases per day. That's in the entire Niagara region. Remember now, we're not talking about deaths. We're talking about positive cases of COVID-19. Two people out of a population of 447,000. Now, they have restrictions up there that are I think worse than ours, no gatherings inside larger than 10 people, no gatherings larger than 25 people outside. This is all for a disease that is survived by 99.6% of the people who get it. When you hear stuff like this, you wonder if the insanity is ever going to end. Well, anyway, speaking of insanity, uh, Donald Trump has said that he is going to have a nominee for the Supreme Court by the end of this week, and liberal heads, of course, are exploding. When we come back, we'll have a guy whose book is coming out tomorrow, as a matter of fact, and it couldn't be more well-timed. The title is Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations in the Politics of America's Highest Court. He'll tell us what's about uh, what's happened in the past and, you know, maybe what to expect in the future. Stick around. This is 
John Steigerwald. You know, this election in November is the most consequential since 1860. The stakes are high, the battle line's stark, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Dinesh D'Souza's latest film. It's called Trump Card, and it's an expose of the socialism, corruption, and gangsterism that defines the Democrat Party. Now, whether it's the creeping socialism of Joe Biden or the overt socialism of Bernie Sanders, this film reveals what's unique about modern socialism, who's behind it, why it's evil, and how we can work with President Trump to stop it. Go to WatchTrumpCard.com and pre-order your video on demand and DVD. You don't want to miss this important new film by Dinesh D'Souza. Again, pre-order your DVD and video on demand now at WatchTrumpCard.com. That's WatchTrumpCard.com. Parents, are you happy with your children's at-home high school experience? Wondering if you're doing all you can to prepare them for the next step in their life? Check out Salem Career Hub online at SalemCareerHub.com. Whether it's college prep school, a four-year university, an MBA, or learning real-world vocational skills needed to start a career, get connected with top-ranked online schools and leading skills-based short-term training programs like full-stack software development from the co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak, to online XR programs, teaching hands-on vocational courses for HVAC, welding, plumbing, facilities management, electricians, solar, and more, all at a special reduced Salem Career Hub price. Better your child's life through education. Our team of educational experts are available to help you Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Central Time. Just call 866-711-6275, 866-711-6275, or online at SalemCareerHub.com. Hey, John Stoggerwald here. I'm just here to tell you how much I love my pillow and how it's changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. That's really amazing. Now, I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. Now, it comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. And it's made in the USA. And backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and save 30%. Use promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. When you do, Mike gives you two standard MyPillows free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800 716 8087. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Here are the facts. Your business needs leads and sales. There are potential customers online right now looking for what you do. Will they find you or your competitor? You need Salem Surround. Having to do your own digital marketing while trying to manage your business, well, there's just not enough time in the day. You need Salem Surround. You're doing all you can to market your business. But are you sure you have the right strategy or seeing a great return on investment? You need Salem Surround. The marketing team here at Salem Surround is ready to help your business now. We'll design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies, using everything in our toolkit to work for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, with what's going on now in Washington, um, I can't think of a better person to have as a guest. Ilya Shapiro director of social studies at the, uh, I'm sorry, judicial studies at the Cato Institute, has written a book that will be released tomorrow. It's called uh, Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations and the Politics of America's Highest Court. Ilya, thanks for being here. Good to be on. You're actually my last interview of the day. So. Wow. So and the book is uh, actually officially, it's, I saw that the release is September 22nd. That would be tomorrow. So That uh, would be tomorrow. The publisher had to pay extra for that timing. <laughs> so, does the uh, the fact that so many people um, consider picking someone for the Supreme Court, you know, a, a life and death situation, prove that the maybe the federal government has too much influence on our lives, if not all government? That's 
That's exactly right. The reason why we have these battles, first of all, there's a centralization of power in Washington and within Washington, a skewing of federal power towards administrative agencies that can't be voted out. They can only be sued. So it's to result in the courts. And also uh, different interpretive theories that now map onto partisan preferences at a time when the parties are more ideologically sorted than they've been since at least the Civil War. So you have those two things, and you're going to have cataclysmic fights over these very important, finite number of powerful seats. Now, uh, you spent some time looking into the, the personal lives of the, uh, the people involved you know, in the process of doing the book. Uh, and then you, you involved with the process of uh, nominating justices for the court. Knowing what you know about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, are you buying the story that her last wish was for the president to wait until the election to nominate her replacement? The, the president well, doesn't seem to be buying it. I, I have no reason to disbelieve that. I mean, if, if that was really her wish, however, then maybe she should have retired in 2013 when the president right. was Obama and the Democrats had the Senate. So, I mean, just because something is somebody's dying wish, I don't think that um, that does nothing, uh, I think, effectively one way or another to the debate that we're now living. Well, you have people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez out there saying she's trashing uh, Mitch McConnell for not honoring the uh, dying wish of a woman. And this, this is actually a person who was elected to Congress saying this. Well, politicians say uh, use inflammatory rhetoric, right? That's a that's a dog bite man kind of story. So, you know, we'll we'll see lots of stuff from both sides. That's just uh, you know makes you roll your eyes. So both sides are accusing the other of hypocrisy because of uh, past statements about nominating a justice close to an election. Uh, is there really hypocrisy on both sides? Is anybody uh, winning or losing the hypocrisy race? Huh. So first of all, it doesn't matter. I don't know of any voters that are like, oh, well, I was going to vote for that, but then it turns out to be hypocritical. Uh, And, you know, politicians being hypocritical in every which party, that's not unusual either. So, yeah, there's plenty of hypocrisy to go around. Now, there are principal distinctions to be made historically. There are definitely differences uh, between what happens when a nomination is made when the president and the Senate are controlled by the same party versus not. uh, confirmation rates when there's unified government are about 90% historically, and when there's divided government, about the 60%, and that difference is heightened even more when it's during a presidential election year. So you can argue it which way, you can find precedent every which way. At the end of the day, it's just a, a pure power play. And uh, how much of it do you think, um, and this isn't necessarily related to what you did in your book, but maybe you did, Maybe I'm sure you covered the Kavanaugh issue, um, but how much of this is just um, payback for what the Democrats uh, put uh, Kavanaugh through, and uh, and the Republicans are just saying, look, and you know we have the power, just like uh, you you used your power to trash this guy, we're using our power to put through another guy, another nominee. Yeah, certainly, what the Democrats did to Kavanaugh is not helping uh, the moment now. It's another escalation in the in the judicial wars that we've been having for, for decades. Uh, and so, I mean, really, um, you know, you trace it back to Harry Reid using partisan filibusters against George W. Bush's lower court nominees and then getting rid of filibusters when the Republicans were, bo- were blocking Obama's. And then um, Chuck Schumer uh, forcing the hand of Mitch McConnell to get rid of the filibuster to see uh, Gorsuch. And even before that, with Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas, I mean, there's plenty of, uh, uh, you know, hardball tactics uh, to go around. But again, we, we just go back to this point that the court is too powerful because the federal government is too powerful, and you have competing visions that are irreconcilable about what kind of judge should be should be uh, appointed to, to fill any given vacancy. Yeah, I've been around a while, but I don't seem to remember um, a time as a young guy when a People talked about who was on the Supreme Court. I just don't. I just don't remember. You know, when I was in college or in the years after that. I mean, I'm I'm uh, over seventy, so I've been I've been through through some of these things. Um, I just don't remember people caring that much about who was on the Supreme Court. Yeah, not that they didn't care, but just it, no. It's definitely escalated in in all sorts of ways. Um, I think Robert Bork in '87 was the first time that a nominee was attacked strongly for. Uh, his judicial philosophy rather than certain other kinds of 
uh, concerns, and that became the playbook. And then for the nominees, that became the playbook of what not to do. And uh, Joseph Ginsburg uh, pioneered the idea that you just talk a lot without saying very much, which is why confirmation hearings are basically attempts at gotcha moments and speechifying by the senators and attempts to make bland statements and run out of the clock by, by nominees. It's, it's, a, it's an unhealthy situation that we face, definitely. We're talking to Ilya Shapiro. He's written the book Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations in the Politics of America's Highest Court. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I know you cover that in your book, about Ginsburg being the pioneer of not saying anything. Uh, that may be a good thing in some ways, but it also, if, if, if you're not going to be able to get a judge on what he or she believes uh, and, and how he or she interprets the Constitution, uh, pretty soon you're going to be limited to going after what they had in their high school yearbook, aren't you? If you really want to get nasty? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just about do you have the votes. And uh, you know, Ginsburg was ultimately confirmed 96 to 3. Scalia, uh, six years earlier, seven years earlier, was confirmed unanimously. Um, that would not happen uh, these days. Uh, judicial philosophy has become more important. Uh, the, the polarization in the country has become more important. And uh, uh, the perception of the power of the court uh, it's the only decision maker over these big issues because Congress punts uh, on these uh, uh, you know, major major matters. And so, uh, I you know, we're in a different world now. How much of this uh, began with um, Roe v. Wade and abortion? Is is abortion still the thing that's hanging over everybody's head in these in these in in this whole uh, Cer- procedure? Certainly, those kinds of cultural concerns: abortion, guns. Um, affirmative action, uh, these issues certainly motivate voters, and, and that's the place where you do see sharp distinctions between uh, judicial philosophies. Interestingly, so Roe v. Wade came down in 1972, 73. My brain's fried after a full day of talking about this. Yeah, I think 73. <laughs> uh, the next justice to come up was John Paul Stevens in 1976. Uh, and or 75, I'm sorry, yeah, appointed by, by Jerry Ford, and he was not asked about it. So the very first nominee after Roe v. Wade was not asked about it. After that, it uh, started coming a little bit with Sandra Day O'Connor, but really it was more, uh, more with Bork, uh, again, that that became a, a heated moment. Now you have Republican senators like, uh, I believe, Hawley from Missouri saying that uh, he's not uh, voting for anybody who... Uh, doesn't want to get rid of Roe v. Wade. Well, good luck with that, because if you have someone who's on record as, as saying they want to get rid of Roe, whatever the merits of that position are, then right. you're going to lose some moderate Republican senators. So if Republicans had 60 senators, that, that might be a viable uh, path for, for Hawley to pursue. Otherwise, you know, is he, is he really going to vote against uh, an Amy Coney Barrett, even though most people think that she's you know conservative and Catholic and all of that, and presumably against Roe v. Wade, but has never been on the record about that. So is Josh Hawley really going to vote against her? Um, it's, it's an odd strategy. How much has Joe Biden contributed to the ugliness over the years? I had a piece in the Wall Street Journal about three weeks ago about this, and he has a long history with this, uh, not just because you know he's served in the Senate for a long time, but he was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee for the Bork hearings, for the Clarence Thomas hearings, where he tried to please everybody and ended up pleasing nobody. Uh, he tried to apologize to Anita Hill last year when he started running for president, and she declined his apology. And he also participated in the uh, filibuster of Sam Alito in 2005. About half the Democratic caucus did. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama were also those were also there. He also voted no against uh, John Roberts. Uh, only about half the Democratic caucus voted against John Roberts. And uh, his uh, vice presidential nominee, Kamala Harris, has voted against 80% of Donald Trump's judicial nominees. So, um, you know, he, Joe Biden presents himself as kind of this affable backslapper, but certainly on, on this issue, on judges, he has been a, uh, a sharp-elbowed uh, political brawler. Well, what uh, we're talking to Ilya Shapiro. He's the author of a book just uh, just coming out, like as we speak, uh, Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations in the Politics of America's Highest Court. Um, what about the Democrats promising, uh, not, or not threatening, but promising, some of them, uh, to pack the courts if uh, President Trump tries to fill this spot before the election? How hard would that be to pull off? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. So if they're, if they're accusing the, the Republicans of, of busting through norms, and the response to that is to bust through some other norms, and what it would take, it, it would not take a constitutional amendment like certain other reform proposals, like term limits, uh, uh, would take when we've had anywhere from five to ten um, uh, seats uh, in our history, although it's been fixed at nine since 1869, 150 years ago. Uh, what, what it would take, they would have to win the White House and the Senate, um, in this election, and then they would have to get rid of the legislative filibuster. Remember, there is still a filibuster, meaning a requirement for currently 60, it was at one point two-thirds of the Senate, to uh, approve going to a final vote on a piece of legislation. So they get rid of that by a, by a Senate majority vote, uh, and then they can pass whatever legislation they want with, uh, with a simple majority, 50 plus the vote of, uh, in this scenario, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. And that's what it would take. They would pass new legislation expanding the court and then nominate people to fill those seats. Why do you suppose the, the founders uh, left the number uh, to be debatable? Well, it's not clear how many justices you might want. If you have a larger country, you might want more. Indeed, yeah. um, several of the expansions were done because there were more circuit courts. It used to be that every time a new circuit court was created out west as the country expanded, you would add a new justice. It's not a bad idea. And some of the circuit courts we currently have are way too big and should be split up. Um, you know, if you're writing on a blank slate, maybe you would have, say, 19 justices. For one thing, there would be fewer 10 to 9 decisions, presumably, than currently we have uh, 5 to 4. Each seat would be worth less in that scenario. Uh, but how do you get from here to there? And we're not writing on a blank slate. So it's, uh, these are tough questions. Historically, whenever somebody's proposed court packing, it has not inured to their political benefit. FDR famously in the late 30s, after he was overwhelmingly reelected, he proposed to add six justices as the court was striking down his New Deal programs and that, that, that fell like a, like a wet shoe or whatever the expression is because the, uh, the Democrats ended up losing 80 seats in the House and 8 in the Senate the next midterms just because of that. And what, um, so if the, if the Democrats would succeed in padding the court, adding to the, the court, what would prevent the Republicans from getting in later and adding a few more until you got that's up to exactly, 19? No, no, that, that's exactly right, which is why Joe Biden uh, is, has been against core packing and Bernie Sanders. It's interesting. A lot of the uh, primary contenders among the Democrats for president uh, were endorsing core packing, but the two finalists, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, rejected it. This might be the only thing on which I agree with Sanders. He said, look, next time the Republicans are in power, they're going to do the same thing in 50 years. We have 87 justices. We can't have that. I think I think he's right. Uh, I got about less. I got about a minute and a half, and I'm against the hard break. Uh, John Adams lost the election. He was uh, the incumbent, and uh, before the uh, inauguration of Thomas Jefferson, he nominated John Marshall. This was he was the losing president, and he was able to get the uh, losing losing. He was the loser in the election, and he was able to get someone nominated and put through right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the famous, the famous great chief John Marshall. Absolutely, and he wasn't the only one. Uh, whether you know, there were several that lost, and then had had people confirmed, uh, and there were others that won and had people confirmed. But um, there is nothing new under the sun. We've had a long history, and there's been a lot of uh, practice, and different things have happened with Supreme Court nominations, and it, it all comes down to politics ultimately. And and uh, the, I guess that maybe one thing this should be is a lesson to people that uh, elections matter. And you you ought to pay attention, you know, and maybe vote might be a good idea. Well, certainly, I I don't think Donald Trump would have won in 2016 without the Scalia vacancy. This is an issue that generally uh, benefits Republicans, and there that that crystallized the issue for people that didn't necessarily like uh, like Donald Trump as a person. I'm I'm out of time. Uh, uh, It's uh, Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations, and the Politics of America's Highest Court. Ilya Shapiro, thanks a lot. My pleasure. Take care. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump says he expects to quickly announce his pick for the Supreme Court on Friday or Saturday. The president told Fox and Friends he has a list of finalists and he wants his choice confirmed before Election Day. The Justice Department has identified New York City, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle as three cities that could have federal funding slashed. Under a memorandum by the president, 
that sought to identify localities that permit anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis says the state is going to get tough on people who turn violent during protest. His proposed legislative package would also strip municipalities of state money. That's if they defund law enforcement. Walks, stocks falling sharply on Wall Street today. The Dow dropped 509 points. The Nasdaq was down 14. This is SRN News. Excuse me. Have you ever discussed life insurance? Well... Sort of. Have you talked about who'll pay the mortgage if one of you passes? We definitely haven't talked about that. Well, then you should talk to SelectQuote. SelectQuote shops for you, getting you quotes from some of the country's most trusted companies, finding you the right coverage with the right carrier at the right price in minutes. Is it affordable? Well, how affordable does $500,000 in coverage for as little as a dollar a day sound? That's great. We can afford that. To get your free quote, call 1-800-212-1166 or go to selectquote.com today and get the protection they need at a price you can afford. That's 1-800-212-1166 or selectquote.com. Selectquote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. We always hear that elections have consequences. When Democrats took over the House, it led to the impeachment of an elected president. This radio station wants every listener to focus on what's important. How do we save America from the forces that want to tear it apart? How do we make sure we save America for our kids and our grandkids? The hosts on this station need you to engage in the fight. We need you to register to vote. Elections have consequences. Make sure you are part of the solution. AM 1250, the answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're looking at some big backups on the Parkway West outbound. Some debris cleared between the lanes, but you're jammed up from Banksville Road to approaching Carnegie. Looks like almost 20 minutes there. On the inbound side, got a crash off to the shoulder. You're backed up Green Tree down to Parkway Center Drive. Inbound on the Parkway East to Lay Stanwick Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. A pretty solid outbound Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. Tonight will be clear and cool. Temperatures approaching the record low of 37. Last reached in 1999, we'll see a low of 39. Hazy sunshine expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 69. Clear skies tomorrow night with a low of 48. Mostly sunny Wednesday. It'll be nice. Wednesday will reach a high of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, 
The Answer. I got some sports stuff here for you in the uh, second half hour. No guest here. Um, I, this is interesting. We just uh, spent some time talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, as much as about Republicans and conservatives disagreed with her, she was obviously admired by everybody, including Anton Scalia, who couldn't have disagreed with her more uh, on on the interpretation of the Constitution. But um, uh, she was I, – I disagree with just about everything I've ever heard that she's uh, done in, in, as a Supreme Court justice. But um, this is interesting, and, it, and this would make – certain things make liberals' heads explode. Uh, Colin Kaepernick now, of course, has become a major hero because, uh, well, the entire NFL apologized to him for not uh, listening to him when he took the knee uh, uh, three years ago or four years ago, whatever it was. And um, he's now become uh, a, a hero of the Black Lives Movement and among a hero among liberals everywhere. This is what, um, what uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to say about uh, Colin Kaepernick at the time when uh, everybody was talking about what he did. Now, remember, this is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a extremely liberal Supreme Court justice. She said it was dumb, and this is her total, her total uh, statement. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. Then she says, I would have the same answer if you asked. She was asked about it later. I would have the same answer if you asked me about flag burning. Uh, she said, I think it's a terrible thing to do, but I wouldn't lock a person up for doing it. I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such an act. So she thought the nerve of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to think that what Colin Kaepernick did was ridiculous. I, I should, I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such an act. And then that was uh, that was in the early days of the Colin Kaepernick uh, story, and he um, he was. And since then, he's of course, as I said, he's been elevated to uh, near sainthood. He's going to be up there with uh, some of the great heroes in American history pretty soon if it keeps going. You know, he's on pace to do that. So, speaking of that, um, as you know, because of and all this is uh, tied in in a lot of ways, the. NFL is still pushing the uh, social justice stuff. The guys have things written on their uh, backs of their helmets. They have uh, things written at the end of the field in the uh, in the end zones, messages. Well, not everybody is putting victims or uh, as and also you know these victims that are victims and sometimes not really victims but portrayed as victims. They're also criminals they were arrested and uh, either charged or you know seen on video they were they were doing things that um, required the police to come and that's what got them in trouble I think everybody knows that it, this kind of seems to be forgotten Antoine Rose was elevated to sainthood last week by the Steelers but this weekend uh, things were a little bit different uh, David Dorn and Davin McNeil got their names on the backs of helmets in um, in the NFL this week and uh, Tyler Effort, he's a tight end for the Jaguars. He put David Dorn's name on the back of his helmet. Dorn, uh, he's the retired police officer. He was shot and killed uh, by a looter during the riots in St. Louis. Uh, that was after the uh, George Floyd death. And a kid named, a guy named Stephen Cannon, uh, a suspect, uh, he was charged with, and killing Dorn was charged with first degree murder and first-degree robbery and, and felon in possession of uh, firearms. So he's got a lot of things going against him. He's going to be in jail for the rest of his life, which is good. But uh, that's not the only uh, different uh, tact taken by a player. Um, David Dorn's name on the back, but also um, the Redskins quarterback. He's not the Redskins anymore. The Washington football team quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. He took a different route. Uh, he, he put... Um, Davin McNeil's name on his helmet. Now, Davin McNeil was not killed by a policeman. Uh, he was um, not a criminal. Uh, he was not even uh, in trouble with the police. He wasn't arrested. He was 11 years old, and he was shot and killed in Washington. 
uh, in D.C., and uh, police there determined that his death was a result of gang violence. We've had uh, an is- incident here. Sorry to say, I don't have the kid's uh, name in front of me right here, but um, there was a, a one-year-old baby killed in uh, on the north side as a result of a gun sh- battle that was going on outside his house, and people got mad at me when I, when I put his picture up on Twitter and said, how about putting this kid's name on the back of a jersey? Well, Dwayne Haskins... Uh, did put not this not the kid from Pittsburgh, but put this 11-year-old kid's uh, name on his helmet, and then uh, you remember now that the NFL had made the decision to allow players to wear decals with the names or initials of people that were killed because of systemic racism. Apparently, well, apparently, supposedly, uh, players could also choose from these four approved phrases: um, "Stop hate," "It takes all of us," and racism. Or Black Lives Matter, so but the, the players haven't followed that. They there's other stuff on there that I saw one yesterday. I don't remember uh, who it was, but I was watching a game on TV and I just happened to see the back of a player's helmet and it said, "Say their names." So I guess the names of people that were killed by the police. But Marquise Pouncey, now he's the guy who uh, came out last week for the Steelers. He's a center for the Steelers, and he said last week that um, he was not that crazy about the idea of uh, putting Antoine Rose's name on their helmet. Now, uh, Al Villanueva, he took a lot of heat for for putting another name on the back of his uh, helmet. And um, it was after that that Pouncey and Villanueva met and talked about it. And Pouncey came out and said, this is what he said, my work with the police, both in Pittsburgh and back home in Florida, is well documented. I don't always feel the need to highlight what I do with police departments, but I also want to make sure they understand I inadvertently supported a cause of which I did not fully comprehend the entire background of the case. I take responsibility for not doing more investigating into something that is sensitive to the community and his family, but it is a less it's a lesson learned as it relates to political issues that occur every day in our society. So, Pouncey said that uh, and then, and then if you follow that story, it, it, it came out that the players weren't really sure where it came from. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, one of the players, said that he uh, felt that it came from upstairs, meaning management said it. There were stories out there that the team had voted on it, which apparently they didn't. And it turns out that it was a really bad job of uh, handling it by the, the Steelers' front office, whether it goes all the way upstairs to Art Rooney or somewhere else below Art Rooney, but uh, putting Antoine Rose's name on the back of everybody's helmet, and by the way, saying that it was going to be there for the rest of the season, for the entire season, was a really, really bad and really stupid idea, and um, and Marquise Pouncey said so at the end of uh, last week when all this was going on. So Pouncey, he put the name Eric Kelly on the back of his helmet. Now, I don't know if you remember that name, but you may remember the story. Kelly was one of three East Pittsburgh uh, police officers who were killed in a 2009 domestic incident in Stanton Heights. Remember, they showed up at the house, and I think the the guy just came out and just shot him, killed him. Uh, they the, before anything happened, there was there was I don't think there was a confrontation. I think he just came out and shot him. And uh, I forget that guy's name, but I'm sure he's, I hope he's really miserable somewhere in prison. I'm sure he is. Um, but good for Marquise Pouncey. Um, he put Eric Kelly's name on the back of his helmet. Now, this is a black NFL player deciding not to put the name of a young black victim, quote unquote, of police, um, uh, of systemic racism, supposedly. Rather than put that name on the back of his helmet, he put the name of a, of a cop, Eric Kelly on the back of his helmet. And as I said last week, um, I, it would have been nice if some players in the course of, during the, the process of putting Antoine Rose's name on the back of their helmet, that they actually maybe, you know, made a comment or two directed toward the kids in the, in the, uh, in, in the city who may have, um, you know, been in the same situation as Antoine Rose, young black men, uh, you know, maybe said that they should take a lesson from what Antoine Rose did, which was 
go along for a ride on an attempted murder, which is a, a, a drive-by shooting, that's not a good idea. And it doesn't matter if you're an A student and everybody thinks you're a wonderful kid. If you do something like that, you are you might end up dead, but you, usually you don't end up dead. But where Antoine Rose would be right now, if he, if he hadn't been shot and killed, would be in prison. He would have gotten a nice, uh, long prison sentence. He'd have been in jail for, I think the, the guy who was involved in the actual shooting got 8 to 22 years. So uh, you figure he's going to spend at least eight years in prison. And uh, and Antoine Rose would have been in there for five or six. He would have had to go in there at, at 17 years old. And by the way, Marquise Pouncey, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if you remember this, but back uh, a few years ago when, when, when Aaron Hernandez was first arrested, remember Aaron Hernandez of the Patriots, um, when he was first arrested, Marquise was seen with his twin brother, who also plays in the NFL, at a party, and they they were posing wearing free Hernandez hats. They were they were buddies of Aaron Hernandez, and they decided that it was a good idea to say that you know he should be freed when there was pretty good evidence that he had killed somebody. Now maybe Marquise Pouncey, uh, when we all know what happened to Hernandez, he ended up being convicted and then killed himself in prison. Maybe they maybe Pouncey. And who knows about his twin brother, but maybe Pouncey and some other guys have said, you know, uh, maybe we ought to be a little bit more careful here. And they've thought about it a little bit. And maybe they don't think that uh, Aaron Hernandez was such a good guy. And maybe they don't think it was a really good idea to be buddies with him. So uh, it shows that a little bit, a little, maybe, maybe it's just maturity. These guys are, you know, they come into the league at 22, 23 years old. And, and I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it myself, you, you, you expect them because they, are in the NFL, they play for the Steelers, that they're supposed to all of a sudden have some kind of maturity beyond their years. They're still 22, 23-year-old guys, almost, I don't want to call them kids, but they're not much belong uh, beyond being kids, and they're making millions of dollars, and, uh, you know, people wonder why they get in trouble. So, anyway, good for Marquise Pouncey. Pouncey. And speaking of football, um, the ratings for Sunday Night Football, a big, a big dump, a uh, tumble last night. Um, they had 14.09 million viewers in the uh, early ratings, and a 4.2 in the ratings. That's down 5% in audience and 11% in the demo from the early numbers of last week's uh, and uh, Sunday Night Football uh, opener. But there's an overall 17. That's the big number. 17% drop from last week's game games. In the NFL, Sunday and Monday night, 17% drop. These numbers go up and down, but uh, I get the feeling that um, just anecdotally I hear people saying that they're not going to watch anymore. They're not as interested as they used to be. It was also a really nice day yesterday, and maybe people decided to go outside and hang out and do things other than stay inside and watch football, and these numbers could change when the weather gets ugly, and uh, that and maybe this a uh, lot of this stuff is – further behind us but they did not get good ratings for the first uh for the second week of nfl football and speaking of football i mean of ratings the emmys were last night and they were up against sunday night football same as last year but uh they were off uh the jimmy kimmel was um the host and they hit an all-time ratings low they dropped 14 percent in viewers and 33% drop among 18 to 49 adults. That's the the big the big number for the uh, for the, uh, the advertisers. 33% drop. It was broadcast on Fox last year. They had a six point they had 6.9 million viewers and a 1.6 rating among 18 to 49s. But uh, the the uh, the ratings took a big dive last night. And who isn't happy to hear that? And when we come back, i got to take a little break here. When we come back, I'm going to uh, talk about some stupidity from Christine Brennan, who writes sports for USA Today. Stick around. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. 
I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. What happened to Carter Page should never happen to another American again. Page was a model citizen, a Naval Academy graduate, a successful businessman, and a cooperative source for U.S. intelligence services. But when Page became a supporter of Donald Trump, the FBI targeted him, spied on him, and persecuted him in a phony investigation. Now Carter Page is telling his story. In his compelling new book, Abuse and Power, Carter Page gives us the shocking details of being targeted by the Obama Administration Justice Department, how he was kept under surveillance, and then finally vindicated. Abuse and Power by Carter Page is the story of a private citizen caught up in a politically motivated spying operation intended to frame him. The Democratic Party, the mainstream media, and their allies in the Justice Department and intelligence services lied and perverted justice in order to destroy a duly elected president. Abuse and Power, How an Innocent American Was Framed in an Attempted Coup Against the President, is the new book by Carter Page. Available now at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Hey, John Stoggerwald here. I'm just here to tell you how much I love my pillow and how it's changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. That's really amazing. Now, I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. Now it comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. And it's made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and save 30%. Use promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. When you do, Mike gives you two standard MyPillows free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800 716 8087. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8.36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, it was really kind of sad and pathetic, actually, to see uh, Pitt uh, playing a home game against Syracuse on Saturday. It couldn't have, I mean, you just, the same today, you can't have a better day for college football than you've had the last couple of days and what, the way it was on Saturday. And to have a, a game going on, it turned out to be a pretty good game and not one person in the stands to see it. Just really pathetic. But anyway, uh, the Big Ten decided to play, uh, and they're going to start their season in October after saying they weren't going to have a season. And Christine Brennan of uh, USA Today was on CNN with John King talking about that. I just think the Big Ten sold out for football, and I'm happy to say it. Uh, and so, like everything else, uh, coronavirus collides with our election, sports collides with our election, coronavirus is disrupting everything in our lives. You make this connection. We could call it the trumpeting of the Big Ten. It was just two weeks ago that Trump, desperate to win votes in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, told the conference to play football. 
I never would have expected the Big Ten presidents to be so shaky, so fearful, so afraid of their own shadow. You think in the end, the, uh, some Republican governors jumped in too, some of the players wanted to play, the coaches wanted to play, but you see the president's thumb on this. I do. Uh, and the president sees the president's thumb on this, John. As we know, there, there was an off-the-record briefing yesterday about this, so he's taking a victory lap, whether it means anything in terms of votes that he desperately needs in Michigan or Ohio or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. We'll see. Uh, but again, uh, there's, there are adults in the room, and they're the presidents of the Big Ten schools. And uh, you're, you're now steering football, which, by the way, I love college football. I haven't missed a Northwestern bowl game, and who knows that knew I would even say those words back in the day uh, in eight years, I think. Uh, I, I love, love college football. But you've got these presidents now steering their student-athletes right into the teeth of COVID and the flu in October and November. So there you have it, Christine Brennan. She's uh, feeding the, the, the frenzy, feeding the panic. I don't know what the number is now, but they, they've tested thousands of college kids tens of thousands of college kids and have not had one and and they've had they've had like 26,000 was the last number I saw who tested positive not one now remember now this is out of 26,000 not one had to go to the hospital what that means is they got sick someone got sick they felt really bad Maybe they had diarrhea maybe they threw up maybe they had a a cough a sore throat maybe they had nothing. And uh, college football, same thing. They, they, they tested tons of them, lots of uh, hundreds of college football players. Nobody went to the hospital. They're okay. Christine Brennan wants everybody to go hide under their beds like too many other people. So I'm glad the Big Ten is coming back, and Christine Brennan shouldn't be allowed in the game if she wants to go to see her beloved Northwestern. Thanks for listening today. I'll be back tomorrow. Tim Murtaugh tomorrow at uh, 515. We'll see you then. Bye. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.